What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Spurscast, episode 571. My name is Paul Garcia and I'm your host here on Spurscast. Today, I'll be speaking with Project Spurs writer Benjamin Bornstein about the Spurs' play in their last two games, Damari Carroll being waived, and whether the Spurs will fill their vacant uh, position. After that, we'll look at where the team stands right now as they try to keep their playoff hopes alive. And finally, I'm going to ask Ben about the upcoming uh, draft that's coming forward in June with the Spurs. Let's get this episode started. Ben, it's your birthday today. I apologize for having to make you come, come up here on the Spurs guys, but you said, but you said you're okay with it. Uh, happy birthday, first of yeah. all. And then, uh, you know, how are you feeling? I'm feeling great. I'm uh, feeling twice, twice my 28. So, you know, feeling like a 56-year-old man. I got no knees and... Uh, I have a very great YMCA game, so you know I'm feeling I'm feeling great today, and hey, man, uh, I wouldn't like, I wouldn't want to be anywhere else. <laughs> it's all good. Yeah, you like uh, I think I think I remember back in the past I always used to tell people like until I hit 32 I'm in my NBA prime, just like just like a random <laughs> age that I would keep saying. I already passed that, obviously. Um, all right, Ben, thanks for for joining me again um, here on the Spurs Cast, uh, and it is um, just related Spurs Cast listeners know that it is uh, uh, February 25th, um, Tuesday evening that Ben and I are recording this episode. Um, so let's go to begin, Ben. Uh, you know there hasn't been a lot of games since since uh, I last recorded uh, quite a while ago. I think Stephen Anderson was my last guest when I last recorded. Uh, the Spurs have played two games. Uh, they beat Utah and then they lose to OK City. It's just like a perfect example of how this season's gone all year. You know, two two good teams, and here the Spurs beat one and looked really great one night, and then the next night, I mean, two nights later, they just look terrible and just get you just get get demolished. So let's kind of dive into these games just a little bit. Not spend a lot of time here. Um, so Friday night they return from the All Star break and they are. They are, they, are, they are projected to lose by seven points, according to Vegas, in this game at Utah. Now, the Jazz were without Mike Conley, but they were still favored. 
And the Spurs end up getting a nine-point win where they actually led by 25 at one time. DeJounte Murray had an incredible offensive game, 23 points. Uh, he makes 12 points from, from mid-range, so six mid-range shots he made in that game. Uh, they actually had really good defense at the rim as the Spurs. So, you know, here, here they look. Oh, wow, they're, they're playing really good basketball. They beat one of the better teams in, in, in the West in Utah. Then two nights later on Sunday, they play at OKC, who, who they had just beat pretty well uh, right before the All-Star break. And they're only supposed to lose by five in this one. And nope, they ended up losing by 28. They just got blown apart. It was over like the third quarter. You saw Pop put in Keldon Johnson and Chemezi Metu, which got interesting. But that kind of tells you where the night was going was the fact that like Keldon was playing by the third quarter and it was pretty much over. Um, so again, you know, I, I've kind of, I'm already on to the point. I mean, I've talked about this in the Spurs cast. It, I don't really dig into breaking down the numbers and the X's and O's because this team is kind of who they are at this point. We already know that with 26 games left. Uh, kind of what have your thoughts been since they've returned, to the, returned from the All-Star break uh, in these last two games? It's been brutal to watch at times. The, I mean, like you said, this is the, this team isn't changing at this point in the season unless just something absolutely drastic happens. And I think the Spurs have to accept their fate and say, we don't want the eighth seed. There's really no reason to play for the eighth seed in the West because we're going to get our the brakes beat off of us, whoever we play in the first round, whether it be the Clippers, the Rockets, the Lakers, whoever, I believe it would be the Lakers right now. Yeah. And, you know, Spurs fans would be upset if they just outright tanked and, you know, were looked terrible on purpose. But at some point you got to try to sneak tank or, you know, you, you lose games where you can essentially and try and better your draft position because it's, it's too late to try and get a top five pick for them. But you know, crazier things have happened, I suppose, especially with the new lottery odds that uh, that the league implemented. Mm-hmm. So, um, I, I think that you know uh, the game against the Clippers was ugly, but it was a good chance to see what Chemezi and Keldon can do with real NBA minutes, or at least garbage time NBA minutes, which is probably still better than you know, G League minutes where Keldon Johnson just dominates people. I mean, he had 31 points in 30 minutes today, the 25th in their game. I mean, he, he a lot of times he makes things look effortless out there, and at some point you have to say to yourself, or the Spurs have to say to themselves, you know, maybe we should give him some more minutes up here. He can alleviate DeMar DeRozan. He can alleviate somebody. You know, he can take minutes from... Bryn Forbes or Patty Mills, maybe something. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Just give them different looks. You can you can argue. You know, if he doesn't play well, okay. Well, you know, he just hasn't played any. He hasn't played many NBA games, and you know, he he's not used to the speed yet, or whatever. And you can kind of write it off. But I, I do think at some point you have to break your youth in. You and these are the games in where you can do it. You can't. You you can't just have them play in the G league for two, three seasons, just roll them out there and say, okay, you're ready to go. Now you, you have to find them time throughout a season where there's not much pressure on them, but you're still, they're still playing in an NBA game. So I think this is the stretch of the season where they need to get those guys legitimate minutes. And maybe unfortunately you also give guys like Bellinelli and Bryn Forbes more minutes than you might you let you you kind of rest your starters for mm-hmm. next season you you get them ready and say you know what we're not making the playoffs you're gonna have a long offseason 
There's no reason to make your season any longer than it has to be. But for a guy like Bryn Forbes, you showcase him because you want another team to overpay for him and take him off your hands. You want the decision to be out of your hands mm-hmm. if you're Spurs fans. Because if you you know if you're a Spurs fan, you're thinking, Bryn Forbes is going to make money this offseason. Somebody's going to pay him. And the Spurs are going to be dumb enough to try and bring him back on an equal or larger contract. And you're just you're hoping against hope that they don't do that. But you just have the sinking feeling they might, right? So you hope Bryn Forbes does that. And you hope Marco Bellinelli does well enough so that you can send him off somewhere. He has value to someone. And you can say, oh, but he did all this this season. Um, but, you know, you want to see the young guys play because they're your future. And frankly, I want to see them play with Pirtle because, one, I'm a huge Jakob Pirtle fan. I have made that very clear when I watch games. Um, Blockab Pirtle all the way, Team Blockab. And I think him playing with younger, more athletic players would be a fun defensive team to watch. Yeah, and one thing you... you one thing you just uh, brought up there was the fact that, yeah, they are starting to bring up some of the younger players and get them that experience, even if it's in a blowout like we saw in that Thunder game on Sunday where uh, Kelton played a bunch of minutes and so did Jamezi Metsu. And you kind of seen this by uh, their latest move is uh, for the first time, I believe, they've caught up Lucas Simonic up to the up to the, the San Antonio team. So uh, now the reason for that probably is because LaMarcus Aldridge is out. He's going to be out with a right, sh- right shoulder sprain, I believe it is, or strain. Uh, so so Aldridge is out for sure against Dallas on Wednesday. Uh, and so if, you know, I don't, th- I don't think Simonic will get immediate minutes, but if they fall behind or they, or they, you know, they, they do get a big win, I think you, you will see him get those minutes that maybe Chemezi Metsu would have gotten in the past. So, so there's a chance that we get to see Lucas Monich play kind of just like how we did with Kelton Johnson the other night. So I think that, yeah, you're right. At this point of the season, it is time that if the games are out of hand uh, to start getting some of these younger players some minutes. However, Ben, um, you know, mathematically they're still in it. You know, the players continue to tell us the same story, which is like they're still chasing the playoffs. They're not, they're not out of it yet. Sure. Uh, and they, ha- they have a tough road ahead of them. So uh, we do have to kind of cover that and kind of go through their route of, of what they have, uh, what's expected in front of them. So right now uh, that, that you and I are recording this, they're 24 and 32. They're 11th out West. It was crazy. They actually won two games in a row and they ended up like by the end of it, after losing yesterday uh, on Sunday, should I say, they ended up, um, you know, still like falling behind in the standings. Um, good. That's, just classic Western Conference. Yeah. Um, sanity. Yeah, and so um, so right now in front of them are Portland and, and New Orleans. New Orleans has the easiest schedule out of, out of the group of teams that are kind of fighting for the eighth spot out west. The Spurs are just three and a half behind, so like you think of that, and you're like, oh, that's not bad, three and a half. However, put the fact that the Spurs just can't win consecutive games to put put winning streaks together, they just cannot do that. This this team cannot do that. And then also the fact that right now they'd have to go seventeen and nine to end the year to to try to beat Memphis's current record uh, and try to get that eight seed. It just does not look possible right now. Nope. Um, so like I mentioned on Saturday, they don't have Dallas. I mean, I mean, I, I, not on Saturday. On Wednesday, they play Dallas, but without Aldridge. Then they have on Saturday a pretty easy team in Orlando. We'll see how they do though, because the Spurs do struggle at home and even against bad teams, they're not that great. And then they have Indiana on Monday, so they do have a three game home stand coming up and one good thing for the Spurs is that they also uh, have a pretty easy schedule right now it's 25th um, in terms of um, competitiveness according to Tankathon and um, the only two teams ahead of them that I mean behind them with an easier schedule than that are Portland and New Orleans like I mentioned um, f- from my vantage point I do think New Orleans is going is to end up taking this eight seed because uh, 
you know, just again, they have the easiest schedule. They're kind of clicking right at the right time with Zion, you know, and just all that chemistry around them. Memphis is dealing with some injuries with uh, Jaron Jackson Jr. going to miss some time. And plus Memphis, like I said, has the hardest schedule left in the league. Uh, so right now, as of right now, um, you know, that they're still mathematically in the playoff um, run. Uh, what, what do you th- what do you see with the Spurs? So you're telling me there's a chance. <laughs> there is a chance. Yes. Yeah. Not a very good one. Um, uh, there's no way they go 17 and nine. They like what uh, a little bit of what you alluded to. They do not have the fortitude to win those games. They would have to win several games consecutively, which they have been unable to do this season. They are incapable for whatever reason. They are incapable of winning multiple games in a row. And even with a three-game homestand, I don't see it happening. I mean, Orlando, they could definitely beat. Orlando is very beatable. Indiana has been great. And mm-hmm. they actually they actually set a very odd record, or they, they entered the history books in an odd way. Um, they are the first team since the 1966 Lakers to go from a 35-point loss to a 35-point win in consecutive games. Oh, wow. Um, so, you know, just weird NBA <laughs> things happening. No big deal. Um, you know, I don't see the Spurs pulling something quite like that off. Uh, but I could definitely see them losing by 35 to one of these teams randomly just for no real reason other than defense is terrible, rotations are terrible, and, you know, generally – Everything has been terrible that the Spurs have done this year for whatever reason. Most, I won't say all, but most of what they've done rotation-wise has just not been good. And the first time we saw something good was when DeJounte and Derek played more together. They got more minutes together at the same time, which is only what every Spurs fan has been yelling about the entire season. And what do you know? It looked really nice and really good. So, you know, maybe if more of that happens, they can win some games. But going 17-9 and to finish a season is incredibly hard, no matter how bad your schedule might be or how easy your schedule might be. Yeah. And it's, again, with a Spurs team that is just a weird mix of really young guys and some really old guys, they can't, they don't have nights where more than one guy is feeling it, where more than one guy shooting well for whatever reason. I think part of that is because of how the team is put together. And I think some of it is because some guys are just too unselfish at times, but namely DeJounte Murray and Derek white, but it's, it's a tall task and I don't think the Spurs will accomplishment accomplish it. And I kind of hope they don't selfishly because I would like to write more about lottery picks uh, I think the Spurs could do some real damage if they if they've been doing their scouting this season and if they've been you know paying attention overseas which I'm sure they have um, mm-hmm. and paying paying attention to the colleagues ranks cuz this is a weak draft the Spurs have to yes. find a good player in this draft at whatever pick they end up with they there's not going to be you know, you you can't try and tank a second year. They can't try and they can't really they can't afford to be bad a second year in mm-hmm. a row and see if they can get another lottery pick. That's just not going to happen for them. So, at least not the way that the front office is trying to construct the team, and not the way that Coach Popovich coaches. 
Yeah, for sure. And, um, you know, we're going to kind of you, you kind of alluded to that Derek DeJounte lineup that we rarely see. And we're going to kind of get into that a little bit later as we start looking at the future of the team yes. uh, and why that just doesn't happen. It's so weird that it just doesn't happen, especially with the team, you know, the record as they are. So, yeah. So Spurs, Cavs, of course, you know, they are still not they're still in the playoff race. It's still mathematically possible. Like we like Ben and I both said, you know, right now we're not very optimistic that can happen just because the Spurs haven't shown us they can do that. They can go 17 and nine. Like Ben mentioned, you know, they cannot put us uh, a number of games together for, for a winning streak like they did last year even in previous years and so right now there's no evidence to show that that they are going to get it done this is a team that's lost at home to to, to atlanta to cleveland so i mean it's not like like some of these easy games coming up against like like, like charlotte or orlando are going to just be um you know right away like just get dominant wins these these are games they can still lose so so we'll see though obviously as as, as we continue um recording these podcasts in the coming weeks or whether or not the spurs do fall out or if, if they actually are able to make that comeback and get that eighth seed um one other topic. It's a little bit late, Ben, but uh, I just want, I do want to address it uh, because we did get to address it here on the Spurs cast because it happened over All Star break when we were kind of taking a break. It was real quiet, no basketball. Um, was the Damari Carroll buyout? Um, you know, he, he was he was bought out during the during the All Star break. He was waived, uh, and then he ended up signing with Houston. So I just want to go ahead and give Spurs cast listeners some of those numbers in case you haven't seen it on Project Spurs. Uh, so this season they end up paying him six point eight million. These are estimated numbers, uh, rounded should I say rounded numbers? Um, next season he's going to have a cap hit of six point two million dollars. It doesn't really affect the cap because they're going to pretty much be an over the t- cap team. Even if DeRozan leaves and, and you know a lot of the free agents walk away, they're still going to be an over the cap team. Going to ma- mainly just have the only um, tool they have to retool the team is re-signing free agents or using the mid-level exception, the, ta- the non-taxpayer. I already ran the numbers. It's kind of what it looks like. And plus, even if they got cap space, there's no point. There's not a lot. There's not a good free agent class coming up this coming summer. So, so I know that it looks bad that you have a player who's not there, just eating up six point two million next year. But again, next year wasn't the year that they were going to get you know any kind of like star free agent because there's nobody available. And again, they were only going to they were going to be an over-the-cap team either way, whether Demari was sitting in, you know on the bench or not. And then where could it? It has a minor effect is in 2021, and this is kind of what Ben, you alluded to in two years. Uh, that summer is a big one because there are a lot of star free agents, and that's one where you may need to have a, a max or two available because that's where you can pitch you know, a star free agent on, on having – you're hoping that you know DeJounte, Derek White, Lucas Simonich, Keldon Johnson, they're all clicking. They're all playing well, and you want to pitch to a, to a, some sort of star to come play with these with these young guys, kind of like what the Nets did uh, with, with you know getting Kyrie and KD. The fact that you, know, you had a good core of young players built up in your squad. You had the money available, and that's going to be the case in 2021. The Spurs will have some money available to, to pitch this, some, some all-star type players, and you got to you know you got to sh- show that those those young guys are progressing, so that those those star free agents, those veterans, do want to come and play with San Antonio. Um, and and again. Um, that's kind of where the money stands with Carroll. Like I mentioned, the cap hits aren't, aren't major, major. I know that looks bad because the fact that he, he signed a one-year deal and he already got, I mean, a three-year deal and he got bought out in year one. And obviously he's going to start playing in Houston uh, on a team where, you know, the Spurs need a wing. But I've kind of gone on to that in the past, you know, saying that Lyles, Rudy Gay, LaMarcus and uh, and DeRozan are all ahead of him at, at the at the four spot. Um, ben, there is one vacant spot right now on the Spurs roster uh, because Carroll is one of those players on a guaranteed contract. So they could technically fill it with the player for the rest of the season, or they can start going with a 10-day route if they wanted to. They have shown no indications that they're going to do that, but do you expect them to, to maybe look at doing that in these last 26 games? Yeah, I think they can. They should certainly look at it just because they're – there's no point if you're not going to make the playoffs. There's no point in trying to find a guy before the end of the season and see if he'll stick around. You might as well find a G League guy mm-hmm. that is in your own organization. You know him well. You know you can trust him. He knows the schemes. He knows your game plan, things like that. And I'd frankly like to see them 
use it to just kind of shuttle guys in between Austin and and San Antonio and just hopefully the Spurs fans get to see guys they wouldn't normally get to see in an NBA game. They, I, I hope they get more Keldon, more Chemezi, maybe a Simonich comes up. I mean, that'd be great. They have, they have some nice players that I, that I profiled even uh, on that team. I mean, they have um, Dedrick Lawson, I believe they still have on that team. And I really liked him coming out of college. I thought he might've been a second round pick, but I think he ended up going undrafted in the, the Spurs ended up getting him as a G League player anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and um, yeah, so so that's kind of uh, what the situation is with Carroll. Uh, I, I agree with you, Ben. Where um, let's just say that the Spurs, you know, we 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 find out that they are mathematically eliminated. When that point comes, I can see them maybe signing some guys to ten day deals and just kind of you know, since at that point we think that they'll be giving all their minutes to like the Austin Spurs guys, bringing them up from from Austin, putting them in the, in the main rotation, and basically running a bunch of lineups with the young guys. Uh, so I do see that happening if the Spurs get eliminated with enough time to sign some players and just giving you know if they have somebody they've been scouting uh, in the G League or, or or you know overseas or something and bringing them over here just to give them a few games to see what they got and then maybe if they play well. You can maybe look at them as an option for your summer league team, and you know going forward into training camp next year. So, so I, I don't mind them. I mean, I, I mean, I, I can maybe see them using that 15th spot again if that's the scenario where, where they've already been eliminated. They start resting the veterans in, in a scenario like that, like you mentioned earlier, Ben. All right, so Ben, the last topic uh, we're going to address is kind of just, um, you know, you are a draft guy. And I want to uh, kind of dive, you know, not not really dive into to a bunch of names or prospects just yet. We're obviously going to get to that because we know that the Spurs are either not going to make the playoffs. Uh, right now, that looks like the the, the the most likely chance. Or if they do get it, they're going to be they're going to have another low pick, kind of like how they did last year uh, as well, late in the first round, if they were to get that eighth seed. So, um, you know, right now, as, as you and I are recording this, Ben, they'd be, they'd be projected to get the twelfth pick in the lottery because they wouldn't make the playoffs, and also uh, the forty second pick in the second round is where it looks like. So, what I've done is I've kind of taken the roster apart. And I've just right now I've just left on the, the players that are on guaranteed deals, the players that are as long as they don't get traded, they're supposed to be back here next season. So they're pretty much um, have the one figured out. They have DeJounte Murray as the one. And then you have Patty Mills off the bench. They have the two pretty much figured out as well. They have Lonnie Walker. They have Derek White and they have Keldon Johnson. Now, I don't know who would start. I thought Derek would start this whole year. And that obviously didn't happen. You mentioned that earlier. That just doesn't happen ever. So here's the tricky part. They have literally no one at the three if DeRozan were to walk away. Uh, you know, if Because, again, DeRozan has a player option, so he can just walk away this summer if he wanted to. Or the Spurs could execute it, some sort of sign-and-trade if they wanted. So right now, you know, in terms of guaranteed money, there's nobody right now at the three. It's vacant. At the four, they have Rudy Gay and Lucas Simonich. And then at the five, all they have is Aldridge. So, again, these are the players that are, that are on guaranteed deals that are for sure going to be back next season as long as they don't get traded. There are some some players that are out there for them that they got to worry about this summer and kind of figure out what they're going to do or if they're going to let them walk. Are like we mentioned, DeRozan has a player option. You got Marco Bellinelli, unrestricted free agent. Bryn Forbes, unrestricted free agent. Trey Lyles has a non guaranteed deal. Chemezi Metu has a non guaranteed deal. Um, Quindary Weatherspoon ha- is going to be a restricted free agent. Drew Eubanks will be a restricted free agent. And then lastly, Ben, the guy you mentioned, Jakob Pertl, is also a restricted free agent uh, this coming summer. So again. If I look at holes right now in terms in terms of just the guaranteed spots that are being taken up, I do see for sure at the three. I see maybe at the four and back up five if they lose Jakob in free agency or trade Lamarcus or something. And then also I see a, a one because Patty will be next year will be his last year of his deal. And obviously he's getting older too, so you may want to have a backup one down the road. Uh, so I, I guess my question to you, Ben, is 
Is there a three right now that the Spurs could find in the draft that would be suitable? Um, you know, it, whether let's just, first let's target let's target the lottery. Let's say they get they miss the playoffs and they get between the tenth and fourteenth pick, which is where I think they'd finish up if they end up in the lottery. Is there a pretty good player there at the three? You know, uh, in terms of prospects, there. There are a couple guys. There's uh, Jaden McDaniels who plays for Washington. I liked him at the beginning of the season and. Actually, I haven't gotten to watch him as much throughout the season. One, because I live on the East Coast and staying up for those games is hard. But um, mm-hmm. his team has also been really bad. They have been horrible in the Pac-12, like just inexplicably horrible. I think they've won two, maybe three conference games this late in the season. And it's it's been a nightmare in Washington. And I'm really not sure why, but... Jaden McDaniels is one of those high upside prospects. He has all those measurables you like. He's very skinny, very light right now. He's measured in at 6'9 or 6'10. He's less than 200 pounds. So, you know, you're going to have to throw some meat on those bones, but he's a kid who can go out. He handles the ball fairly well for his size. He can shoot the ball. He can create his own shot at times. So I like him. Um, He's... He's plays more four for Washington, but he'd probably be more of a three in the NBA. Uh, there's a guy like Devin Vassell for Florida State. I just recently profiled him. He he plays shooting guard for Florida State, but he's six seven, about two hundred pounds. Again, need to put some weight on, but for the most part, he could step up and be a three. He could be a two or a three, and I would even argue that at times Keldon Johnson could be a three if you need him mm-hmm. to be. Um, so I, I, I like those two guys a lot. Um. You know, there's maybe a couple guys you could argue for a three there, but you'd really be reaching. Um, a guy I recently profiled who would be a huge reach in the lottery. So if if you could, if he falls to the second round, he's probably he's a huge steal. Uh, seeing it the other way is Aaron Neesmith from Vanderbilt, six six, plays small forward, he's about two fifteen. Absolute dead-eye shooter. He is a professional shooter. He would immediately fill... He would immediately make the Spurs better in that regard. Here's a question for you. Um, you know, as as you're going to start scouting more and you're going to kind of get a better picture of where the Spurs are going to be drafting, um, you know, as, as the season continues because we're going to either find out if they make it or they don't make it. Are you looking, in terms of a wing, in terms of a three, somebody who's going to kind of be a little bit more um, off-ball uh, because you want to, you, you think that the, the offense will grow up toward Dejounte becoming the main playmaker and Derek and Lonnie Walker, or do you, are you just looking at you know who's the, kind of like the best pro, prospect you know um, on either side of the ball? What, what are you looking at in terms of like how you're looking at, at these at these threes right now? The way I look at a lot of these players, including the threes, is you know I I, I don't necessarily look for certain traits. I just Kind of, I watch them and I say, oh, okay, he does this well, he does this well, doesn't do this well, you know, things like that kind of check off my list. And, you know, specifically for the Spurs, I, I'm not necessarily looking for a guy who plays just off ball because I think if you want to be a good pro, you have to be able to do a multitude mm-hmm. of things. So if he can do, you know, if there are a bunch of, if there's a bunch of things that a guy can do really well that aren't, you know, really teachable or that aren't taught easily, then I see him as I see that prospect as having a little more value than a guy who maybe, you know, does he, he does 
all the teachable things really well, but he doesn't have that kind of court awareness or he doesn't have the IQ that maybe some other guys have. So it's it's kind of a case-by-case basis. And really, a lot of times when I'm looking at a guy to profile, I'm thinking to myself, okay, I know what the Spurs need. Like you said, they really need three, four, five. Yeah. And... I, I, the one thing I the one thing I am looking for specifically for the Spurs though is someone who can shoot because mm. the Spurs need better shooters. Yeah, um, and and that really goes at every position. I mean, in today's NBA, you have to be you have to be able to step out as a big man and shoot the ball. Um, even even if it's just out into the mid range, if you're a five, you have to be able to at least do that so you can spread the floor for everyone else. And I feel like the Spurs struggle at times because they don't do that. A lot of times they they go and they dump it into Lamarcus and say, "Okay, go do something in the post, and we'll watch you." Instead of people moving around, getting open, things like that. And so I think if I, I, I'm also being very optimistic in how I think the Spurs are going to change their offense at some point, but as long as they have DeMar DeRozan, it's going to be very ISO heavy and it's they're, they're going to set him screens to get him open and get him his mid range jumpers. But eventually if, and when he leaves the Spurs, they'll be able to open up the offense more and really get more creative with what they do. And I'm kind of projecting them going that way and, when I look at players, I'm kind of hoping like that's the system they will be fitting into. Um, so like in terms of like, uh, let's, let's, let's talk about defense. Uh, obviously, you know, Matisse Thybul is a very unique defender. He's one of the, he's one of the better defenders coming out of college. Uh, is there anyone like that in this draft? That's kind of like, not, not as, as good as Thybul coming out of college, but you know, kind of like where he's just like, you just know that guy's a really good defender, like right off the bat, right, right when you see him, you know, that he, he can, he can either start on, start on your team or even come off the bench. And he's going to be like that one of those like lockdown kind of defenders, even though, even if he's young and starting off his first year of his NBA career, are there any players like that this year at the wing spot like that? Um, not, I, I would say I would I would have said Tyrese Halliburton, but he's injured, so I kind of oh. want to see how he comes back from his injury. Mm-hmm. But Isaac Okoro is a guy. Well, he's he's more of an offensive guy now that I'm thinking about it more. He's what what, what Matisse Thybul is on defense. Isaac Okoro Okoro could be that on mm-hmm. offense. Oh, okay. Um, he's got to work on his shooting, but. I, I don't know. There's there's really not a guy who jumps out to me like that in this mm-hmm. draft. If if anybody, it's Onyeka Okongwu, but he's not he's not a wing player. He he's a four or a five, depending on how you want to play him. But he's he protects the rim really well. He is super long. He's athletic. He's quick. He's not too light. You know, he's listed at six nine two forty five. So, you know, he's solidly built right now. He wouldn't have to put on too much more weight to really play at the NBA level. And Isaac Okoro is the same way. He's 6'6", and he's already 225, and he looks strong. But, you know, there's not I, – I don't know if there's any really elite defenders quite like that. I mean, there Kentucky always has a couple guys who just get after it defensively, and mm-hmm. I, I, I'm honestly not sure if that's because point guard, guard play in the SEC just isn't as good as other conferences. But I mean, I have to give credit to them because they, those guys at Kentucky, really do get get on dudes. I mean, they guys like Tyrese Maxey. Well, he's not the he's not the best example, but 
they they have a they've always had guys throughout the years who you're just you look at them you say dang those those point guards really love to get up into guys they love to make life a living nightmare for people and so I think they'll have one guy like that this year. Well, one thing you mentioned a while ago was, uh, you know, the fact that the Spurs definitely need shooting. Um, and, you know, that's the reason why Marco, why, why Bryn Gitman, it's in the mix fans agitated, was the fact that, you know, Pop only trusts them with, with shooting because they're actually high-volume shooters and Patty Mills as well. Um, you, were, you were mentioning the big guys, you know, how bigs need to shoot. Has that, since you watch more college basketball, has that translated to the college game? Do you, do we see more big men stepping out or, or they're, they're still, you know, playing more so that half-court, you know, inside the paint type basketball? Because uh, I watched a few games here and there kind of just flipping channels, but I haven't seen that. I, I, is it going toward the college game or it's still more so because of like their zone heaviness and all that other stuff that they do? Um, I mean, they obviously play a lot more zone in college. One, because mm-hmm. there are a lot more teams in college and so they there's more opportunity to play zone, but there are quite a few big men who are in this draft who are straight back to the basket, mm. old school, pure big men. And there are some guys who are able to step out and shoot it. I think a good example is Jalen Smith from Maryland is able to step out and shoot it. Reggie Perry has done that well this year for Mississippi state. Uh, De- DePaul's Paul Reed, has stepped out and shot it well, fairly well in the mid-range. Not really yet a three-point shooter, but mm-hmm. could be trending that way. Um, and and really, it's dependent on colleges being able to recruit the guys they want. And you have a guy like Precious Achua at Memphis, who isn't really a good shooter right now, but mm-hmm. he, as a power forward, he's super athletic, he's quick, he can get to the bucket, and he does a bunch of other things that you wouldn't necessarily see out of a four. So it's, it's tough because so if you take Florida state, for example, their coach, Leonard Hamilton is a guy who likes to go. He legitimately goes nine to 11 guys deep on his bench over the course of the season. He, he legitimately does that. He does not have a short bench of just seven or eight guys. Mm-hmm. There, there are guys on his team who never get to 30 minutes. His starters don't even get to 30 minutes a game because he's throwing guys in and out so often because um, they play so hard on defense that they need those breaks. They need those like two to three minute breathers. And so he, he has another guy who can throw in there and say, okay, go replace him. You're going to be on the court for three or four minutes. Be ready to come out. And so um, they – FSU always has dudes on that team who are long, lanky, athletic, and really good defenders. And I think Devin Vassell could be that, and Patrick Williams for Florida State as well could be that. So, um, and and Vassell, guy we talked about earlier, six seven can step out and shoot and really and be a three. Patrick Williams a little bigger at I think six eight or six nine, and he's like two he's two twenty five or heavier. So he's a guy who's kind of built already to defend. Um, so, so how much do you think that the playoffs, the way they're going to, they're going to fall, you know, not considering the Spurs, I'm just talking about like, cause we really have two different, um, kind of ide- ideologies going out, not ideologies, uh, uh, systems going against each other when the, when the postseason does start, we have this new Rockets thing revolution where it's all small ball. When we see them starting Robert Covington and PJ Tucker as the four five for Houston, uh, we're obviously going to see how that plays out in the playoffs, but then you have some of those classic teams like Philly, uh, like the Lakers with Anthony Davis, Joel Embiid. Um, and, you know, obviously we see the emergence of a more like athletic type of a big man who, who can kind of just get the ball and go from, from up top and, and get wherever he wants. And Zion are uh, going to be taking over as the future. How much do you think that some of these um, 
this kind of battle of, of the styles is going to really have an impact on the draft in terms of like like we're talking about bigs right now. Like like how much is that going to matter? Like the fact that like maybe like you were right earlier, Keldon Johnson could probably just start playing three if Houston if they're going to be playing Houston all the time, uh, or or if a lot of teams start playing that Houston type ball. Uh, how much do you do, what, what do you see there? I guess it's it's more about the, the the positions in terms of the game how it is definitely getting smaller, but there are still some of those key big men out there. Uh, what, what do you see with that in terms of impacting the draft? I I do think that you know depending on depend you're going to get taken higher as a big man regardless if you can step out and shoot it I think mm-hmm. because that means you you can do more you're more valuable to a team mm-hmm. but for Houston going small ball is fine and dandy and it's a nice little it, it, you know it's some nice as Steve Spurrier used to say it's trickeration. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's not going to last you a series. They're going to get away with it in the first round because they're just going to be better than that team. Mm-hmm. But it's not going to get you to a finals appearance. Mm-hmm. It when you face a real team that has a legitimate big man, he if he is any decent, he will roast the little person that you've put on him. That's how it should be anyway. You know, if they if they somehow meet Denver and you're putting a little man on Nikola Jokic, he's going to embarrass him. Because you you thought you were smarter than the basketball gods and you're going full small ball in the playoffs over the course of possibly seven games where a team is going to be able to, one, scheme for possibly seven games against your small ball and they're going to have tape from earlier in the season when, one, when they played you and two, even if they didn't play you, you know, if they if if they had played you before you went full small ball, you know, they'll have tape from other games and they could say, OK, this team did this really well. This team did this really well, you know, stuff like that. I just don't think it's sustainable. And I and I think that that, you know, if teams if teams see that, if they see that, you know, going full small ball is not sustainable for them, they're going to say, OK, well, you know, we're, we're going to have to somewhat prioritize getting a big man. Yeah, so that that'll be interesting again. Like I said, like we're just watching the success, seeing seeing who ends up winning out. Like I agree with you. I don't think Houston's going to go far either. Uh, you know, I, I pretty much picked the Clippers or Lakers to win it this year. So so we'll see what happens there. But again, it's just weird that you know there are these different styles, and obviously we like you mentioned Ben, like the big man is his position is just going away uh, internally unless he can shoot it. That's the only way he's surviving out there uh, in today's NBA. And, and so we'll see. You know what happens in the postseason if some of these teams are more back to basket type players and, and just you know they're like you mentioned Jokic or Anthony Davis or even like Joel Embiid. These guys end up having success, so then maybe that'll help bring up bring back that postman that that just that dominant big man uh, type of position. Or, or we'll see what happens there. Uh, thanks, Ben, for joining me on SpursCast episode 571. SpursCast listeners, uh, if you're on Twitter, please follow him at the underscore Boomstein. Again, that's at the underscore Boomstein. Uh, you're going to be here, you know, as, as soon as we find out whether or not the Spurs are going to make the playoffs or get eliminated from there, you're going to be hearing a lot more from Ben this year, this coming right. um, summer, because, you know, the draft is coming. And obviously with, with, with the Spurs probably getting a lottery pick for the first time in a long time, I'm going to really be relying on, be relying on Ben uh, for his expertise and, and analysis as we start diving into these picks and, and more detail uh and again you can check out all of ben's prospect watches if you want to see who he's written about already over on projectspurs.com just click on one of his on one of the players he's written about and then if you click click on his name you'll see everybody he's written about so far uh this season so before we end this episode, I want to remind you all to visit ProjectSpurs.com. Jonas Clark's latest piece is about the return of Angel Rodriguez to the Austin Spurs. Ben's latest prospect watch is over Jeremiah Robinson Earl out of Villanova. Ben, just real quick, do you want to give a pitch for that piece? Uh, just a little bit about um, Robinson. 
Earl? Absolutely. You know he's good because he has three names, so it has to be true. Um, no, but he, he plays for Villanova, freshman, playing for a coach like Jay Wright. You know he's going to be a smart player. He's already 6'9", about 225. He's strong. He's got an NBA-ready body. And uh, he really just has to kind of work on his shooting. But he's he's got a lot of uh, – he, he, what we were talking about earlier with court awareness and things like that, mm-hmm. he's very good about that on offense and defense. Very good help help side and team defender. So something to look forward to if you're going to watch any Villanova games this season. All right. Uh, and then uh, Fernando Garcia recently assessed some of the Spurs' young players. So he's got a series coming out on that one. He just did part one. Um, so it has some of the Spurs' young players, how they've kind of played this year. Uh, and Steven Anderson continues to provide analysis after each Spurs game. Uh, as always, sign up to become a Project Spurs Premium member if, so you can get access to our different databases that are updated after each Spurs game. Uh, this episode was written and recorded by me, Paul Garcia. As always, thank you to Michael DeLeon for mixing and producing this episode. For Benjamin Bornstein, I am Paul Garcia. Thank you and have a great day. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.